You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. speak tonight as the oracles of God I speak with grace that only you God supplies your word comes with light power and life all that should be said shall be said all that should be heard shall be heard and all that should be understood shall be understood your word comes with accuracy and precision in the light of the resurrected Christ we edified, you are glorified. We bear fruit to the glory of your name alongside the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. All right. Take this opportunity once again to thank my pastor, Dr. Samu Wusu Calvary Worship Center, Vancouver, Surrey, Canada, for his oversight over my life and always for the opportunity to speak God's word to God's people. I also want to recognize my parents and also all the pastors who have trained me for your benefit, who showed me the true example of being Christ-like. We're continuing with our series, My Local Church and I, and this is part eight, My Local Church and I, part eight. My Local Church and I. I think that so far we've been able to establish the fact that the church began in Genesis and it is the highlight for the creation of mankind. I think that I've taught us that the meaning of a word is found in the context in which the word is used. And so... We have known how the word Adam was used and also the word Eve was used and we have come to realize that Adam is used as number one, an individual who is a person who was the first to be created and then he also represents all mankind without gender. He represents the Christ. And he also represents the reference to the pattern of sin. We also have realized that Eve also is an individual, a woman who was first created. And also represents a type of 
the church and also represents the first woman who showed us the pattern of sin. We ended with a summary where we spoke <clears throat> that from the beginning Moses declared God's specific purpose, plan, passion, and the pleasure. And he puts that across as God's desire and design. And he puts that in focus in Genesis 1.1. God created the heavens and the earth. So what it is is that the earth is to be like what? Heaven. It is more like the amalgamation of heaven and earth. Like Jesus would emphasize in Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus also rose from the dead and he was sending his disciples in Matthew 28, he said clearly, he said, all authority has been given to you both in heaven where? And on earth. So Jesus coming down to the earth is heaven coming down to where? The earth. Is that very clear? All right. So that has been God's agenda right from the beginning. Okay? Yeah. All right. He would emphasize that in Genesis 1, 26, 27, when he said, let us create man in our own image after our likeness. So God created man. In the image of God created he the male and female. So that is how God was going to work this out. Male and female, we said, represents the church. So as much as it represents humanity, he actually represents the church and the Christ. So the Christ and his church. So God would look at everything he created and see that it is good. It is good doesn't mean it is nice. It goes beyond that. It means that it's in purpose, it's in order. The plan is on point. Meaning that all creation, the birds, animals, fishes, etc. have their partners to procreate their kind. So God will now look at it and say, well, this is my focus from the beginning. This is the plan. This is the agenda. And so to make sure that the agenda is solid and we are going where we said we are going, it will not be good for man to be alone. It will not be good for either Christ to be alone. I will need a help meet. So he creates the help meet, and Moses would use the woman as the type of the church, and out of the church that is out of Christ, the church would come. And we looked so much into that. So what it actually meant was that Christ 
was bereft of his helpmeet to procreate God's kind, God's likeness. Why? Because the mere birth of man and woman does not create after God's kind. The birth of man and woman gives man human life. But man would have to make the choice and to receive the life of God, the same life that Eve received from Adama. That is how then man can be recreated, rebirth. So man does not take the identity from just being created or being born. That's why when somebody is naturally born by their mom or their dad, they are not born again. They have to receive. They have to make the choice. And just like they were given the opportunity to eat the tree of life, in other words, to feed, in other words, to receive the life, that's exactly how it happens. So God's passion, purpose, pleasure, plan on the earth for the earth to be like heaven, he caused the deep sleep to fall on the man, the Christ, and build the woman, the church, out of the man as a help meet for his plan. And therefore, he would establish the pattern, Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man, a man therefore represents the Christ, will leave his father, it is just in suggestion. It is not in absolute. The father and the mother, the Holy Spirit, and remain with his wife, the church. The bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. And the two, Christ and his church will become one body. Of which you and I and all who are believers today have become a part of. Glory to God. So whether you are born naturally out of marriage or out of wedlock, you have the opportunity to be a part of the church, to be a part of Christ and his glorious church. If man and woman, when God said that it is not good for the man to be alone, and he was just referring to man and woman, then out of natural birth, in marriage, then people will become believers. But since that does not produce that, as a matter of fact, then what would have happened is that until a person marries, they can actually produce children that will become believers. So illegitimate children then will have a problem. So that when you are born out of wedlock, then you don't have a chance. So, the birth of the church gives us a partnership. An absolute partnership. A partnership without defect. A partnership without any kind of deficiency and that partnership will be a guide for whatever relationship or whatever marriage that people have. Praise God. 
Is that very clear? So I said that the biological or natural family is not the church. But out of the natural family, God calls us into his church by choice. Just like the way we see that in certain natural families, nobody receives the Lord. In other families, everybody receives the Lord. In other families, some individuals do, others don't. And so it depends on your choice. So that spiritually, you can be part of Christ's church. Hallelujah. So the day you got born again, you had the privilege to become a co-partner. Say a co-partner. A joint heir. Say a joint heir with Christ in his purpose. Say in his purpose. We realize that the end of it all is that he is gathering all of his members, the members of his body, okay, which is in his church, his wife, gathering all of them and present to himself. Say, present her to himself. Ephesians 26, 27 says that, but Genesis 2, 22 and 25 also says that. Genesis 2.22 says, And the rib, or part of his rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he built up and made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. In other words, presented her to the man. And the 25 says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, Christ and his church, and were not afraid, and were not ashamed. Glory to God. So Apostle Paul, who, who quote that, in Ephesians 5, 26, 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present, say that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. So not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy. Without blemish. So that's what Moses also said. They were naked, the man and his wife, and were not what? Ashamed. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? All right. All right. So I said that the church's responsibility today is to be faithful to the bride. Is to be faithful to who? Hey, the bridegroom. Say the bridegroom. Oh, say the bridegroom. All right. And I said that it's a betrothal now, and the final wedding is going to happen. Say the final wedding is going to happen. All right. And that's what all of us are working towards. Say we are working what? Oh, hallelujah. I get excited anytime I talk about it. Yeah. Paul said would have been the most pitiful people if we don't have this future before us. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, we see that Apostle Paul will use that word with the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 11.2. Let's all read it, go. For I am jealous of you with what? 
godly jealousy. For I have what? Bethrothed you to one. So can you see it? One husband. That I may do what? Present you as a chaste virgin to who? All right. Okay, so in other words, in waiting for the final consummation. All right. The word betrothed seems somewhat archaic. Today, we would say the church is engaged to Christ. Clear? Is that very clear? All right. Okay, so that's exactly how Joseph also betrothed who? He betrothed who? Mary. And the Bible specifically said that he never had intimacy with him until Jesus was born. Are you getting the point? All of these are giving us signs. Are you getting the point? An understanding of where this whole thing started from. Just, you see, just as it was in the beginning. Have you heard that from the Romans before? Eh? Hey, the Roman Catholics. What do they say? So shall it be to what? World without end. Amen. They are talking about the, the continuity. When you see, and we're going to get to it, when you see him say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, that's what he's saying. Yes. The purpose, the plan, the passion, the pleasure has not changed. The one who began it, the reason he began it, is continuing to the end. Praise God. Is that very clear? All right. Hosea also used the same word for Israel. Hosea 2, 19, 20. I will betroth you to me forever. Hello? Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Glory to God. The word betrothal is the word erusin. Erusin. It means to engage somebody into a relationship, into a marriage relationship. Okay. Revelation 19, 7 to 9, and 21, 1 to 2. Twenty-one. We're going to look at one to six. All right. Are you there? Can we go? Go. So we will be glad. Uh huh. Uh, we are all reading. Go. So we will be glad and happy, and give him praise. Mm -hmm. The wedding day of the Lamb is here, and his bride is ready. Glory to God. Go ahead. She will be giving, she will be giving a wedding dress made of pure and shining linen. This linen stands for the good things God's people have done. Can you see it? Okay, so it's not like you are going to wear linen. Huh? You see that linen, the moment there's something in it, it shows, right? The moment you sweat, and sweat normally stands for sin. Is that very clear? Yes, so what it actually means is that we are pure. Is that very clear? Without any dent. 
Just like he said, the man and the wife stood and he was not what? Ashamed. They were naked. So there's nothing impure. Okay? And we are transparent. Glory to God. You. And it shows the good works. Say the good works. Say the good works that the saints have done. So you see that it is not the good works you are talking about when the world talks about good works. Can you see that? All right. Then the angel told me, let's all read. Go. Put this in writing. God will bless everyone who is invited to the wedding feast. Uh huh. Do you understand? Bless. What does that mean? He will speak well. Are you getting the point? He will speak well hmm? of everyone who is invited. Yeah? All right. And the angel said, also said, these things God has said are true. All right. Can you see your end? Say, my end is beautiful. Say it like you mean. Say, my end is beautiful. Say, I know my end. Say it like you say, I know my end. Look at Revelations 21, 1 to 6. Are you there? Let's all go. Go. Then I saw a new sky. Can you see? Heaven and a new world. All right. For the... Former sky, uh -huh. and the former earth had what? Car and vanished. Is that it? And there no longer existed any sea. Let's all continue. Go. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of where? Heaven from God, all arrayed like a bride, beautified and adorned for her husband. Glory to God. Then I heard a mighty voice from the throne, and I perceived its distinct words saying, See, they are bold of God. Do you know that John, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, is the same person who wrote this? Can you see his words in this? Huh? And he became flesh and dwelt amongst. I, can you see it right here? Can you see it right here? So now you see he's speaking to two things. He's speaking to God coming in the end. But he says he had already come, he died, and he's coming again. So you see that it's not we going. Is he coming? Eh? So there's nothing like rapture we are going. Do you, do you understand it? He's always coming. Say he's coming. Say he's coming. Are you getting the point? Let's all say go. And then he says what again? And he will do what? Now the four tells you exactly what he's speaking to. That he's not speaking to Jesus coming in flesh. Is that very clear? Uh-huh. He's coming in his glorified body. Is that very clear? Look at the four. Go. God will do what? Can you see it now? So can you see the difference between John 1 and this one? Is that very clear? Go ahead. Go. And death shall be what? No more. Can you see it? Can you see it? Continue. Go. Neither shall there be anguish, sorrow, and mourning, nor grief, nor pain anymore. For the old conditions and former order of things have what? Glory to God. And he who is seated on the throne said what? See, I make all things. Glory to God. And he said, uh-huh, 
Record this. For these sayings are faithful, mm -hmm. accurate, incorruptible, ah, trustworthy, and true, genuine. And he further said to me, it is what? Done. Uh-huh. I am what? I am the Alpha and what? The beginning. Are you getting the point? Is that very clear? Okay. Now look at what he says here. Because he spoke to what is going to come. In what has already come. Hey, are you hearing me? He spoke to what is going to come by what has already what? Come. He's still preaching the gospel to the thirsty. I myself will give water without price from the fountain, the springs of water. Are you getting the point? So he's still preaching the gospel that this is going to be for those who receive the fountain of life. Is that very clear? So, so, so can you see that what God declared from the beginning? You see it in Revelations. Can you see a new heaven and a new earth? Can you see a new heaven and a new earth? So what he created from the beginning, what he envisaged from the beginning, is what John has shown us in Revelation. Is that very clear? Oh, is that very clear? So can you see that God's focus, God's purpose, God's plan is the same? Oh, it's the same. Can you see that? Look at, look at something in 22. Look at 22. Revelation 22. Okay. So you see Genesis 1-1 in Revelation 21. And it is described well. This time, <laughs> the earth was not dark and void. Can you see it now? Oh, can you see it now? Oh, you are lost. Are you lost? What we just read is Revelation 21. And John told us that there's a new heaven and a new earth. Is that not it? What did God declare in Genesis 1-1? Good. The heavens and the earth. Which means God has a perfect picture. Verse 2 tells us what happened. What happened in verse 2? And, and the earth was, eh? Without form. Uh-huh. Good. So what Moses declared in Genesis 1 is telling us what God wants to see from the beginning of creation to the end. But man's fall, are you getting the point? Eh? Affected it, but God worked it Till he saw what he declared from the beginning. Glory to God. So his purpose in the end. When he says God's purpose shall stand. That's what it means. What it means is that 
what God declared from the beginning to see that the heavens and the earth are one, he will see it. That men will become men who are like men of heaven, God. His image in men, and they will be like him. And all God wants to do is to gather these men throughout and present them to him. And that's the church. Present them to himself. So the heaven comes to the earth. Glory to God. God's purpose for creation is that the heaven and the earth will be one. In that you see men becoming like God himself in the earth. Praise God. And he dwells with them in the earth. Glory to God. So the 22, look at 22, 1 and 2, 4 and 5. Go. Then he showed me what? The river, uh-huh. Sparkling like crystal, flowing out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the broad way of the city also, uh-huh. Can you see? Can you see Genesis again? Can you see the tree of life in, in where? So, the beginning, when he says, I am the beginning and what? Is that very clear? I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Uh -huh, go. Uh-huh. Yielding each month, uh-huh, its fresh crops and the leaves of the tree were for what? And restoration of what? The nations. Glory to God. Look at the four and five. I love the four and five. Go. They shall do what? They shall do what? They shall do what? They shall do what? And his name. Glory to God. Five. And there shall be no more night. For they have no need for lamp light or sunlight. For the Lord God will illuminate them and be their light. And they shall reign as kings forever and ever through the eternities of the eternities. So God's agenda in Christ is what he focuses on in everything he does. The focus is on his wife, the church. The focus is on his wife, the church. That's what God focuses on. Everything we read is about him and his wife. Is that not it? No, is that not it? It's about him and his word. His glorious church. That's what we just read. 
So this is God's agenda. Say, this is God's agenda. Say, this is God's purpose. Say, this is God's plan. So listen, this plan, this agenda guides the family and marriage and the work life of the church. This is what all of us are working towards. So you see, when Christ came, he came to give us the real evidence of the full revelation of his glory in the earth. After the resurrection. So, for those of us who have done the good news, you will know that when he rose, those who had labored before him, in other words, before he came, entered in with him. And believers who die in the Lord today, together with them, will be in him and wait for the final resurrection day we just read about. Glory to God. Is that very clear? Yeah. All right. So, anytime you read scripture, and the scripture talks about the glory of God, the glory of God. The glory of God. This is what it is talking about. That's why he said the glorious church. God's glory is in this agenda. Say it is in this agenda. Oh, say it is in this agenda. You see how Luke will put it in Luke 24. 25 to 27. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones, sluggish in mind, dull of perception, and slow of heart to believe, adhere to and trust in and rely on everything that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary and essentially fitting that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Entering into his glory. Entering into his glory. Entering into his glory. The work he started from Genesis. That man fell along the line. He came to make sure that he continues it. Declares it again. Shows it forth. And that is how he enters into his glory. Say he enters into his glory. He came to give birth to the church. Hey, are you here with me? So it is the birthing of the church. That's why Christ came to the earth. To rebirth the church. So that the church that he betrothed right from Genesis 
through to Seth, through to Noah, through to Abraham, through to Isaac, through to Jacob, through to Israel. Eh? He came to give birth to it. Are you understanding the point? And so when the glory, listen to me very carefully, when the image of God is born in a man, then the glory of God is filling the earth. Is that very clear? So whenever you hear the phrase, do it to the glory of God, it means deeper than we think it is. It means that we must do everything with intentionality that God's image, which is God's glory, fills the earth. When we say you're doing something to the glory of God, what it means is that you have the intention that what you are doing will make God's glory fill the earth. Is that very clear? Is it very clear? Mm -hmm. It will make somebody get born again. It will make somebody grow in the Lord. Are you here with me? It will bring the church together. It will sustain the work of Christ in the church. That is what it means by doing things to the glory of God. That's what it means. So when we say you're doing something to the glory, it's not like, oh, you're doing It's nice. It's good. No, it must reveal the image of God in man. It must make somebody desire God's image in them. Hey, are you here with me at all? That is doing things to the glory of God. So, you see that when the word glory of the Lord is used, it is used in that light. Say, it is used in that light. Look at Isaiah 60 verse 1. We're going to look at some verses. Let's all read. Go. Arise, shine for your light has what? And the glory of the Lord is what? So, you know this verse. Who is he talking about? Huh? Hey. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. What, who is he talking about? Huh? He's referring to who? Christ. Who is he referring to? 
It's an Isaiah, Isaiah Messianic prophecy. It's a prophecy that is speaking to Christ. So the glory of the Lord rising is talking about the coming of the Christ. Why is he coming? He started the work in Genesis to bring together his church. He is coming in that purpose and to fulfill that purpose. So when he says the glory of the Lord is rising upon you, he comes and says there's gross darkness in the earth. But because of this light, God's salvation is coming to men. Glory to God. So anytime you see them using the glory of the Lord, it is actually speaking to the salvation of men. Is that very clear? So the glory of the Lord has to do with the salvation of what? The gathering of God's church. Listen, it, so when we talk about God's glory, it's all about souls. Either that you are winning souls or souls are growing in the image of God. Is that very clear? Yeah. So when somebody uses the word, maybe they see that something is very nice. It's, it's glorious. English language is talking nice. Because words are dynamic. So sometimes words can be used in a very contemporary way. But the word kabod and the word doxa always has to do with the salvation of man. God's image in man. The gathering of God's church. That's what God will present to himself. Are you getting the point? Because that's what he intended right from what? The beginning. Is that very clear? It is the purpose of creation. So when God enters into that purpose and we partner him do that, are you getting the point? Yes. When we do that and we show that revelation, then we can speak in that light. That's why anything we do, we shout glory. The glory we shout is not a cliche. We are saying that whatever is happening, we read a verse. When we read the verse, we read it because it actually brings people to the knowledge of the Christ. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? And it grows them in Christ. So we are helping the glory of God. Are you getting the point? Revealed in what? Amen. And we are helping God's work that he began, his purpose, his plan that he began from Genesis to succeed. Is that very clear? Look at this. Psalm 3 verse 3. Let's all read it. Go. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. Huh? My glory and what? My, you see, so these terms are not just used by heart. It's a relationship of what God's salvation is doing in a man. Glory to God. You are what? My glory and the what? Okay? So what it means is that I carry your image. That is what gives me a head lift. 
It's not the money I have. It is not anything around me. What I have is you. And you actually are the lifter up of my where? My head. And that is what I mean by glory. Say glory. Psalm 29, verse 1 to 2 and 9. Let's all go. Read it together with me. Give unto the Lord, you mighty ones. Uh-huh. Give unto the Lord glory and what? Strength. Give unto the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord what? All right. So you give the Lord glory due to what? His name. His name. His name represents his mission, his purpose, his accomplishment. So when God has accomplished what he said to do, which he intended to do, we give him glory because his works have shown. So when Jesus entered the grave and rose up, he rose in glory. What is that? Because he started the work and he's finished the work. So he rose up in glory. It is an accomplishment of what he purposed to do. And it is done. Glory. So you see that when he says worship him the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness is not just how you, 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 you just behave. What it actually speaks to is within the context of what makes men see God in his glorious state. What makes men see the church, God's bride, the way it has God wants it to be seen. It actually brings out the work he did for you and I. And the work he's doing in us and through us. Glory to God. That is the beauty of what? Holiness. Yeah. So when we are doing things that reveal his very nature in us, then heaven has come down to the earth. And men can see heaven in men. Ah, are you getting a point? That's the beauty of what? Holiness. That is giving God glory due to his word, his name. Are you understanding me? That is giving God glory due to what? His name. What he has accomplished. And now is bearing fruit in you. And is bearing fruit in me. It is the beauty of holiness. It is the beauty of those he has set apart. Are you understanding? Because you know holiness means to be set what? So the beauty of those he has set apart... Reveal his glory. Hallelujah. So look at nine. Everybody say go. Read it. The voice of the Lord makes the deer, gives birth. So you see when you are reading things that they are all metaphors. So it's like, ah, why? What is he doing? He's doing show. He's just killing uh, just making deers to give birth. And, no. I, I, I have a song like this. Eh? I have a song like this, right? Yeah, he's like, da, da, da. 
Hey, how did I? You forgot it. I have a song like this. I remember, Pa. Yeah, nobody remembers. And strips the forest bare. She's like, ah, what is he doing? No. And in his temple, everyone sees glory. His wondrous works in men reveals his glory. Praise God. Don't forget, these men belong to his wife. Hey, is that very clear? Everyone, say everyone. Everyone in his church. Says glory. Says glory. Says glory. Why? It's the impact of his nature. The work he began from Genesis is showing in them. Praise God. <laughs> All right. Psalm 57. Verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the, all the. So all of this is showing God's work of salvation in what? In the earth. So they are not saying this as in, okay, the stars are looking nice. That's not the menu. When they are talking about the glory of God, be exalted. In other words, God's spirit Coming to live in all men. Are you getting the point? His rulership in men over all the earth. That is the glory of what? God. <laughs> okay? John 1.14 And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his word. His glory, huh? The glory as of what? The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and... Can you see that? So you see the expression of the glory. Is it that Jesus was just shining? Is that the expression of the glory? No. The works of grace and what? Truth. The work of salvation. Revealing God's nature, God's purpose. Are you understanding the point? Entering into it and finishing it. Are you getting the point? That his church is made in the image of him. Are you getting the point? And they are growing in him. That is what gives God glory. That is what gives God glory. Let's continue. When Jesus was born, Luke 2, 14. Let's all go. Glory to God, what? And on earth, peace, goodwill to what? Toward man. The glory of God. Glory to God in the highest. So anytime they talk about the glory of God, it is the joyfulness of God's purpose from the beginning, the salvation of men, the gathering of his church. 
being revealed in the earth. Romans eleven thirty six. For of him and through him and to him are all things. Boy, to whom be glory forever. Hallelujah. That out of him all things came. Why did it come? It came for a purpose. What is the purpose? That his glory be revealed in men. Amen. So anytime they are talking about God's glory, it is not superficial. No. When they are talking about God's glory, it is God's revelation of his salvation and his work in men. That is what gives God glory. That is what shows forth God's glory. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 11 will say something. He says, but beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. And then look at the 11. And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Are you here? Are you here? Then in 10, 1 Corinthians 10, sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, 25, 26, and 28. He said, eat whatever is sold in the market, in the meat market. Asking no questions for conscience sake. Then you say, what's this? For the earth is the Lord's and all is fullness. So he's saying, the earth is the Lord's. And all is fullness. So what it means is that whatever is there, you can what? Eat. Are you here at all? Are you here? Okay. And then look at 28. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it. For the sake of the one who told you, for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. Hey, hello? What do you see here? What do you see here? He just quoted, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And to one, he says, you can eat everything. To another, he says, you can't eat. With the same quote, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof you can eat. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof don't eat. Paul. So look at 31. Look at 31. Let's all go. Therefore, everybody go. 31 to 33. Therefore, go. Therefore, mm -hmm. whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Oh, can you see that? So, although the earth is a lot and the fullness thereof, your eating should be to the glory of God. Because sometimes 
it will make a weak brother perish. But other times too, it will make others strong. So when you are eating, make sure that it is making people strong in the Lord. If it is, then you can eat. If you eat it in that way, you are eating to the glory of God. You are helping God's work in the earth. Are you understanding the point? You are revealing God's nature. So why does God do things? God does things because he wants to reveal his nature in men. And so the church co-partners with God. And they don't just do things just because it is in their interest. They do things because it will favor the next person so that what God's purpose is, is revealed in them. That is doing things to the glory of what? God. So, look at why he said, look at the end. Look at what he said. He says, go, 32. Give no offense either to the Jews or to what? The Greeks or to the... Can you see that? Can you see that? So, it is in respect to the church of God. To the church of God. So I will not do it. Not because necessarily is, is, is bad. But I will not do it because it will hurt somebody. I am doing it to the glory of God. Are you understanding it now? So, so the man who does things does not always look, look at just themselves, but looks at how the church is affected. So God's vision is always the wife. Say the wife. Say the wife. How would it affect what? The wife. Look at 33, go. Just as I... Oh, let's all read, go. Just as I also please all men in all things. Uh -huh. Not seeking my own profit, but what? The profit of many what? So you see the motivation. That is how you do things to the glory of God. That is how you do things to the glory of God. So what it means is that we know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But we stick or focus on his purpose in whatever we do. So it's a beautiful dress. I can wear it. But if it is going to make other weak, I will not wear it. So that I will wear what will bring glory to God. It's my own money. 
It's my own money. I can use it any way I wish. But if I'm using it to help a brother at that point, because I can do it, and I'm making that sacrifice, I am doing it to the glory of God. Are you here with me? That they may be saved. That they may be saved. In other place, in the eight, he was talking about a weak brother will not perish. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's all read. Go. But we all, uh-huh, with unveiled face, uh-huh, beholding us in a mirror, what? The glory. So, you see, his purpose must always be in focus. Don't, you see, so as the word of God is coming, God's glory, what is his glory? His image in men. His image growing in men. So, saving souls, discipleship must always be in focus. In our transformation, you can sometimes be transformed and be the most selfish person. As a matter of fact, you can be transformed and be very religious. And always looking down on people. But you see, Apostle Paul saying, as we behold, ah, we see God's glory, the glory of the Lord, and we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What is, what does it, the Spirit of the Lord is always willing to share his life with others. Always wants to save people. Always wants people to grow in him and in the knowledge of the Christ. He's always sharing what is God's heart to them. In our transformation, we must mirror the same glory. What God's purpose is for his church, that is what must fill our hearts. The work of the Spirit in God's purpose, God's intention. That men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That even in the journey where the church is to be faithful to the Lord, we are co-partners with Him and we see men transformed, lives transformed, People transformed. And we are in the center of this. That is what we call from glory to glory. Say from glory to glory. Colossians 1.27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Look at what it says. Which is say Christ in you. The hope of what? Woo! The hope of the gathering of the church together. Hallelujah! 
for the consummation, for the final wedding, the gathering of the church. That is our hope. That is our hope because that is the hope of Christ. And he says that hope does not make a shame. That hope does not make a shame. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. He says, Apostle Paul says, To which he called you by our gospel. Say, for obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say, we have obtained the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the gospel. Are you getting it now? Look at Philippians 2.11. Look at Philippians 2.11. Let's all go. And that every tongue should what? Confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to what? Why? To the glory of the Father. Because that is what the Father intended from the beginning. That the souls of men are filled with his image. So when Jesus finished the work and rose up, it went to the glory of the Father. What he began from Genesis, heaven has come to the earth. The church is betrothed. There's a full manifestation of his beloved son. And very soon, he'll be coming for his bride. Glory to God. So for what he has done, because that is God's purpose from the beginning, that's God's passion, that's God's pleasure, it goes to his glory. Anytime a football match is played and it's a cup match and they are about to take their trophy, we say it is glory time. Because that was the intention from the beginning. That they will win the cup. So the moment they get to win the cup, it is glory time. Are you understanding the point? When we say glory, God started the work in Genesis. And he has made us part of that work. So in God's rejoicing that his work is on, it becomes our rejoicing too. Are you understanding the point? And so we are partners with him in the glory. And so very soon, as we read in Revelation 21 and 22, it shall be glory time proper. Oh, we are on the journey. Say we are on the journey. Tell the next person, you are not wasting your time. Tell them. You are living your very essence. Tell them you are living God's pleasure. You are living God's plan. You are living God's purpose. Glory to God. Philippians 4, 19. Look at what it says. Everybody go. And my God word. Supply word. Uh-huh. According to what? In glory in who? By what? So how did the glory come? By who? 
Are you getting the point? Yes. Okay. So the riches in glory is referencing his purpose from the beginning that is marching on. And in that is the riches. So everything we benefit from is because that's what God intended and started from the beginning. That his, his, his nature fills men. And that is what we benefit. If God is giving something, he gives because of that. That is in his purpose. It is the reason why he created the world. It is the reason why he made man. Everything God is doing is towards this agenda. Is towards this purpose. It is one. His church. His church. So you can use them the way you want. You can do them the way you will. You can tend them anyhow. It doesn't bring him glory. And therefore, it comes with its own consequences. Are you understanding me? Until it is in his glory, in his work from the beginning, it does not pay off. And you, if you want something from him, take it from the riches of his glory. And use it in the same. Are you here with me? And for the same. Use it in the same. And for the same. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7, 11, 13 to 19. 1 Peter 4, 7, 11, 13 to 19. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with God supplies. That in all things, in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, what do we speak? Motivational speeches? No. That is not what gives him glory. What do we speak about ourselves? That is not what gives him glory. He says, when we are speaking... We are speaking by what grace supplies. By what grace word? What does grace supply? The rebirth of souls. And the growth of the souls that are rebirth, the church. That is what grace supplies. And so he says, when we speak from this supplied grace, it brings glory to God. Hallelujah. He brings glory to who? God. Glory to God. That God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To whom belong the glory 
and the dominion forever and ever. Just like Apostle Paul said, the earth is the fullness. <laughs> the earth is the loss and the fullness thereof. But it doesn't mean you can eat. If somebody is going to be pained by it and it can destroy them, don't. So he says, when you are speaking, speak according to how grace supplies you. What does the grace of God represent? It represents souls to be saved. Praise God. That is God's focus. That is God's purpose. That is God's dominion forever and ever. Our dominion mandate is not just getting riches. No. God's dominion is the gathering of his church in the final consummation. Is the reason he created the earth. Did you hear what I just said? That is his mission. That is his mission. That is his mission. 13 says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, sufferings. That when his glory is revealed. Hallelujah. When his glory is what? We know the glory revealed. Right? When the church huh, is brought and presented, he presents the church to himself. Is that not it? You may also be glad and with what? Exceeding joy. Hallelujah. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For what? For the spirit of what? For the spirit of glory. Say the spirit of glory. And of God what? You see? The adjective he gave to the spirit. The spirit of glory. You are partnering God in his purpose and agenda. So he put the adjective there, the spirit of what? Glory. You are suffering for this cause for which God created you, created the earth, created mankind. So he puts that adjective to it, adjective to it, and says, the spirit of what? Glory. In other words, if you are suffering, and your suffering is not because of this. It is not to the glory of God. Are you hearing me? Oh, are you, are you here? <laughs> it's not to the glory of God. If it is not for this cause, it's not. It's not. Said, you on their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, what? In other words, he helps the agenda of his wife. You are helping the agenda of his wife. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Do you see that? Do you see that? Oh, do you see that? You see, he's bringing other sufferings. That is not because of the gospel. Are you hearing me? A thief. Can you see that? 
an evildoer. Can you see that? Or as a busybody in other people's matters. Hey. <laughs> he says that suffering is useless. Is that not what he said? Huh? He said, yet. Say yet. Say yet. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. Ah, Kavadea does. 17 to 19. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins without first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Hello. So can you see that it has to do with works after salvation and not works to qualify you for salvation. Is that very clear? Uh-huh. So he's telling us where our rewards come from. That judgment will begin in the house of the Lord. In other words, this is where our reward is. It is in suffering for his purpose. Suffering for his church. Suffering for his agenda. That is where our rewards are. Glory to God. That's where our rewards are. And he says, for those who do not obey the gospel, there's nothing in it. Say, there's nothing in it. Oh, there's nothing in it. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, what, where would the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. What is the will of God? That all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Praise God. Are you getting that? You see the context. So what he's talking about is that our suffering should be for the cause of the gospel. According to the will of God, commit their souls to him in what? In doing what? We are sharing in his glory. Because we are suffering for his wife. We are suffering for his church. That is the doing good. Say the doing good. Or say, that, say the doing good. So they will, they will mock at you. They will call you names. They will say you are a fool. But the point is, he says, that's where your reward is. You are sharing in his glory. Say, I share in his glory. Say, I share in his glory. As to the faithful creator. In other words, he will reward. Can you see that? Romans 8, 18. Let's, let's finish this. Go. For I... Say I, con say, I consider. Say, I consider 
that the sufferings of this world, present time, are not what? Worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be what? Oh, glory. Hey, hey, hey. What, what, a, what a privilege to be a partner. What a privilege. What a privilege. The glory which shall be revealed in us. Second Corinthians 4. Is it 19, right? Yes. Let's all go. For our light affliction, mm-hmm, which is but for a moment, mm-hmm, it's working for us. It's working for us. It's working for us. It's working for us. So as you are working in the church, ah, it's working for you. I said, 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 it's working for you. Oh, it's working for you. Our works, your, your works are, are written. They are written in your glorified body. And it's showing. Are you understanding the point? I bear the marks of Christ on my body. Jesus said, look at my feet. Look at my hands. Look at the nails. Are you understanding me? Yes. You will see the, the, the marks of his glory in your body, in that body, that glorified body. Your names are, his names are written on our forehead. It's, they are all marks of his glory. What you were working, what you were working, you were working it yesterday, you were working it last week, you are working it today. Every day you are working a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Kabora Jesus. Oh my God. Thank you. So what is he saying? Our actions must lead to winning souls. God's image, presence, glory will fill that person. In other words, we are preaching the gospel and we are living the gospel. It also means that our actions must reveal God's image, God's presence, God's glory in the earth. Number three, our actions must build other believers. To grow in God's image. God's presence. And God's glory. In the earth. In the earth. So when God said, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. And he created the woman signifying the church. He kickstart his agenda. He kickstart his agenda. It becomes the pattern for life and living. If that statement was for creating just the woman to partner the man, very soon we are going to be flawed in our argument in the process. In other words, if a man doesn't marry, there's a problem. Yes. Number two, illegitimate children are going to have problems. Number three, man's marriage to another, to a woman, will be the template and the example. But he first created his partner, the church. Upon him and his partner, the church, we will now have the template for marriage. So on that template, the marriage of believers will now be built. So the man will now love their wife as Christ loves his church. And the woman will also now Submit to their husband as they submit to the Christ. So he started the template. So in his template, we will now have a guy. That is actually how you also now find how the believer works. So, it is rather his template that now shows us how to marry in the church. How to marry as a member of the body. You look at Christ and his church. And you look at the roles. What Christ does. We're going to go into it on Sunday. What Christ does for his church. And what the wife, the church, does for Christ. That will become the template for marriage. Glory to God. Have you learned something today? All right. You want to pray? Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. <laughs>